We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, I'm Andy Herman of the Pack of Day Podcast. I'm here to tell you about TickPick. TickPick should be your very first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging any service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner for the Packaday Podcast and the Blue Wire Network. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Packaday Podcast. What's happening, everybody? Welcome into the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. My main topic in just a moment is going to be some realistic trade scenarios as we get closer and closer to the NFL trade deadline. If you followed me in the past, these are not going to be some over-the-top crazy scenarios. These are going to be realistic trades that could make sense for Green Bay. I will get to those in just a moment. But before we get there, we had a pretty crazy day of NFL on Sunday. And it just goes to show you, I know the old cliche any given Sunday is old and cliche at this point, but we had some crazy things happen. I know there was football on Halloween. It was a Halloween Sunday, but Cooper Rush, Mike White, Trevor Simeon, all picking up wins. Trevor Simeon coming in for an injured Jameis Winston, picking up a win over Tom Brady of all things. I know quarterback wins aren't a thing, but you know what I'm saying. Mike White throws for over 400 yards and a win over the Bengals as the Jets get a crazy win. Cooper Rush beats the Minnesota Vikings in Minnesota. The Vikings looked awful. So a ton of crazy results and scenarios that happened all throughout the day. Of course, a few of those results hit a little bit closer to Green Bay, specifically within the NFC North. And oh, by the way, the Vikings, the Lions, the Bears, they all lose on Sunday as Green Bay picked up their win on Thursday. It's always sweet when you can pick up a win on Thursday and then watch literally the entirety of your division lose, lose, and lose on Sunday. Never can complain about that. And then, of course, the Buccaneers lose as well. They pick up a another loss in the loss column, their second of the year, uh, picking up a loss at the hands of Trevor Simeon and the New Orleans Saints. So a lot of things that certainly affect the top of the NFC as well as the NFC North. For those of you counting at home, taking a look at the NFC North, Packers 7-1, Vikings 3-4, Bears 3-5, Lions 0-8. For those of you who are doing the quick math in your head, The Packers have seven wins. The rest of the NFC North combined has six wins. 
The Packers have one loss. The rest of the NFC North combined has 17 losses. 7-1 for the Packers, 6-17 for the remainder of the NFC North. And if you're thinking, well, you know, Green Bay's got a tough schedule coming up. Well, the Minnesota Vikings next three games at Ravens, at Chargers, and then the Packers at home. The Bears at Steelers, they have a bye, and then they play the Ravens. So not exactly cupcakes on the schedule for the Vikings or Bears either. As I've said all along, this is a division that Green Bay should run away with. Frank, I, I said before, like barring something catastrophic, even with something catastrophic, Green Bay should win this division. The Bears, not good. The Lions, of course, atrocious. The Vikings look terrible against the Cowboys. Now give the Cowboys and their defense credit. That defense is legit right now, but Minnesota looked bad on the offensive line and they looked awful along the defensive line and they looked awful in coverage. And that is a horrible way to win football games. Yes, Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, very talented players, but if you don't have the offensive line to you know to to you know make space for Dalvin Cook and if you don't have the time to protect Kirk Cousins or the frankly the quarterback in Kirk Cousins to consistently deliver the ball to Thielen and Justin Jefferson, you are in for a world of hurt. And we've seen that so far for the Vikings and their three and four record. Mike Zimmer and that entire team looks just a step behind the rest of the league in the, the current curve, if you will. I, listen, Green Bay is by far and away the class of the NFC North. They showed that again this week as they pick up a win at Arizona on a short week with all their injuries, while the rest of the NFC goes 0-3 and just looks like a nightmare of a division, save for the Green Bay Packers. So not exactly saying at this point in time that you can just, you know, punch the the Packers playoff ticket quite yet. There's still a lot of football left to be played, especially in a 17 game season. Certainly not, you know, we're not even halfway through it, even though it, it feels that way playing eight games already. The odds are Green Bay wins this division pretty handily. And I still expect that to be the case, but we'll get there when we get there. And in the meantime, Green Bay has a very tough schedule coming up as well. If you're looking at the top of the NFC at the moment, really the top of the NFL, Seven and one Packers, seven and one Rams, seven and one Cardinals, six and one Cowboys. Those are the only four teams in the NFL with one loss. All of them residing in the NFC. Two of them in the NFC West in the Rams and Cardinals. Obviously, the NFC East with the Cowboys, the NFC North with the Packers, and then the South has both the Saints and the Buccaneers as two loss teams. So the NFC is going to get crazy. There's some, I mean, that that playoff race when it hits is going to be really, really difficult as you look at some of those top teams in the NFC. But again, we'll get there when we get there. As of the time being right now, Green Bay stands on top of the uh, NFC. Again, just picking up a win against the Cardinals at 7-1, and one, tied right alongside the Rams and the Cardinals, who again, they have the tiebreaker with. So let's jump into our main topic of today, though, because trade deadline is upcoming sooner rather than later, and everyone wants to, you know, throw out their their trade ideas, and you know the, the Packers have to go get this guy. Let's first of all kick things off by saying if Green Bay would have, you know, traded for either Will Fuller or Kenny Stills, two of the names that came up quite consistently last year, it would have been an unmitigated nightmare. Both of them, you know, Fuller got, uh, you know, Fuller got uh, suspended right away. And then, uh, you know, Stills, I don't, I don't even know, Stills is on a team right now. Either way, he's been complete nothing since, since the trade deadline last year. So yeah, in, in, in theory, some of these trades can sound great. In reality, they usually don't work out all that great. 
And, you know, sometimes like Emmanuel Sanders a couple of years ago certainly helped San Francisco on the path to their Super Bowl, but they didn't win it. So you got to be careful not putting a ton of, you know, investment into one player, you know, for a handful, you know, eight games left, nine game, nine regular season games left, likely not going to be able to help this week when you trade for them, then probably takes two or three weeks to, you know, get up to speed. So, you know, you got five, six, maybe regular season games that they can actually impact. And then of course the playoffs. And the truth is, is you're very rarely one player away. And the other truth to this is, is that Green Bay's additions at the trade deadline are almost assuredly at some point going to be, hopefully, David Bakhtiari, Jair Alexander, Zadarius Smith. Those are all players and amongst others, you know, who've just been out recently as well. But those are players that they could get back at some point and will feel like additions to this team because they've gone on quite the winning streak without quite a few of those players. So that's what I want to start by saying. And I think the next thing that we sort of need to look at is let's look at the anatomy of a trade deadline deal, because it might be great to say like, you know, well, the Packers should trade for Deshaun Jackson. Let's just use that one, right? I can promise you right now, the Rams don't have a ton of interest in helping the Packers out. Those are two of the teams with one losses, uh, one loss at top of the NFC. All right. So even if, even if Green Bay was interested in Deshaun Jackson, they're probably not. But even if they were, unlikely that the Rams would be willing to trade him to a top team in the NFC that they'll probably be competing for, for a potential chance to go to a Super Bowl. Wouldn't be good business by the Rams. Do not expect that to happen. You also want players who are going to fit the system, right? So for example, we hear a lot of times, you know, Brandon Cooks, Deshaun Jackson, Evan Ingram, so on and so forth. Have you watched the Green Bay Packers? What is one of the number one aspects of the players within this offense? Their blocking ability. From running back to wide receiver to tight end, it doesn't matter. You are a blocker on this team. Cooks, Jackson, Engram, terrible blockers. It just is what it is. They don't fit the scheme. They don't fit what Matt LaFleur wants to be about on offense. This offense is designed and revolved around Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams. Those two. And everyone else needs to be a piece of that puzzle, making sure that they're doing everything in their power to make sure that Aaron Jones and Devonta Adams are successful. Yes, is everyone else going to get fed from time to time? And do they need to have the playmaking ability to make plays when given those opportunities? Yes. But first and foremost is making sure Adams and Jones and are successful and that everyone's doing the classic Matt LaFleur 111th, that they are doing their job. And if you are not a pure blocker as a pass blocker, run blocker, everything, you're not going to fit within this team. So to me that, you know, take Brandon Cooks, Deshaun Jackson, Evan Ingram right out of those equations. The next one is you're looking for a team that's selling. Now, every once in a while you have a team like the Rams who are saying, you know what? Yeah, we're, we're going to trade Deshaun Jackson. It just didn't work out. And uh, we're going to move on from him. So they're selling a player. They are not selling as a team at the deadline, obviously Rams being one of the best teams, but they have a player on their roster that no longer fits within their their plans and they're going to move on from him and likely trade him. My guess would be to an AFC team. That would be my guess. So, but other than that, you're looking at teams that are going to sell. You're looking at teams that are going to be bad. Your Jets, your Houston Texans, your Miami Dolphins, your, you know, those sort of teams. So, those teams have incentive, obviously, to try to get deals done. They probably are better off losing more games a season. You can't coach your t- you know players to lose games, but you can certainly trade away some of the players that are helping you win games. And that's certainly what some of these teams that are looking to quote unquote lose or tank, uh, well, you know, maybe not 
exactly trying to tank. That's the sort of moves that they're making. Plus they're able to pick up picks for next year when they're going to be heavily invested in the draft next year as it is. So again, teams that sell are much more likely to be able to deal you a player. Again, you're not looking to be able to trade from a competitor or a team within the division. Yeah, the Lions are probably looking to sell at some point. No, the Lions are probably not going to do Green Bay any favors as they are a team within the the division. Same thing with the Chicago Bears. If they decide to sell, they're not going to do Green Bay any favors. Like I said, if you're looking at a Deshaun Jackson from the Rams, they're not going to do Green Bay any favors. So you have to look at a lot of times AFC teams, bad AFC teams, teams that are looking to sell and teams that, you know, don't have any, you know, vested interest in the Packers not doing uh, better. So that's another thing that you need to look at. Of course, you need to look at Green Bay's areas of need. So I know wide receiver always comes up, but they're like, again, this is revolved around Jones and and Devontae already. They're getting MVS back. They'll get Lazard back. Like there's nobody missing from this offense. This offense at wide receiver is going to be Cobb, Lazard, MVS, and Adams. Like anyone you're adding isn't going to crack those top four at this point at learning a new system and all of those sort of things. So don't, don't believe it's going to be a wide receiver. You know, don't, you know, I don't think it's going to be a quarterback. I think edge rusher, they just addressed with Whitney Merciless. They have, they just got an inside linebacker in Jalen Smith. And obviously they have quite a few inside linebackers on the team already. You know, maybe they could look at a corner, but Razul Douglas is already looking good. Kevin King's coming back. You've got Stokes playing well. Jair is expected to be back at some point. You could look at depth at safety, but let's be real. The, the, the places where Green Bay is probably looking here, tight end defensive line, I would think are, are the two. Robert Tunyon out for the year. You know, tight end would make some sense. Maybe a number three running back, uh, but I, I think those are probably your areas of need. Maybe you could look at kick returner uh, as a, a potential place of need. But I, I think those are probably the key areas where Green Bay could improve upon. The next thing you need to look at is cost, right? One, Brian Gutekunst and, and just this general philosophy. And I know this is an all-in sort of year, but in more often than not, he's not looking to give up you know, top 100 picks. So you're looking at players you're going to acquire for a fourth through seventh round pick, maybe future picks, maybe contingent picks, something like that. And they can't cost a lot in money. Green Bay just doesn't have the salary space. And I know for those of you who don't follow the salary cap closely, there's the idea of, well, you can always create money. The only move they have left to create money is Devontae Adams. And I don't see that happening this week. I just don't. So they have enough money where they can fit in a lower tier, you know, player, uh, within their roster without doing anything additional. But if they would go out and want to get a high-priced player via trade, they have to do something with Devontae's deal. And again, I don't see that happening this week. So probably somebody that doesn't cost a ton financially, that, that's a given. And then one, you know, the other thing is, is one that doesn't cost a ton from a draft capital standpoint. And then the last one you're probably looking at here is likely it's somebody who's going to be a free agent to be, or maybe hasn't worked out with their team. You know, somebody that well, if they are a free agent, may not garner a huge comp pick next year because you always have to play that equation too. If the team thinks that they could get a fourth round pick in, in a comp pick two years from now and you're offering a sixth round pick, they're just going to say, no, we'll keep them the rest of the year. We'll let them be a free agent. We'll get a fourth rounder two years from now. You know, So not this draft, but the, the following draft. So you, you have to look at those players who aren't going to garner a big comp pick, uh, but you know that you can still trade a cheap pick for that the team is interested in moving. And those are the sort of ways that you could come up with these sort of deals. So those are all the things that I'm looking at as I'm trying to make a realistic trade. So four names off the bat that don't fit really almost any of that criteria, Brandon Cooks, Deshaun Jackson, Evan Ingram, Odell Beckham. If Green Bay trades for any of those four players, I will, I don't know what I'll do, but I, you guys can name it. I'll do something, you know, 
eat a tweet or whatever the case may be. I would be shocked, 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 shocked if Green Bay made a trade for any of those players. I know it's an all-in sort of year. I know anything goes, but it would surprise me. Maybe an Evan Ingram they could go for, but again, without the blocking, I'm not sure it makes a ton of sense. I don't. There's no chance to me, to, you know, seeing Deshaun or OBJ, and uh, yeah, I just, I just don't see Cooks either. So. Uh, you, all the things we just talked about, I don't think make a ton of sense, but let's get to the names that do make sense. Of course, that's what you're here for. Packers football is finally back, and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find Packer tickets anymore. Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site, and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. Don't believe it? If you can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. Recently, I was just able to pick up tickets to Packers Vikings in Minnesota, going to be heading west for that game, attending my first game in the new Viking Stadium. Cannot wait for that. Let me tell you, it was so incredibly easy to use TickPick. No awful service fees. I cannot recommend it enough. And the easiest way to do so is by going to TickPick.com slash Packaday today to save $10 on your first order of Packers tickets or any other tickets that you want to purchase. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So number one on that list, this is not going to be a sexy name. A lot of these aren't going to be sexy names. Let me start off by saying that. These are low-priced players, most of them on the last year, they're dealer players who haven't worked out with their current team that you can fit within the salary cap that you're trading back-end draft picks for. The number one on the list is Kyle Rudolph, tight end for the Giants. So not Evan Ingram, tight end for the Giants, Kyle Rudolph, tight end for the Giants. Let's say the Giants decide to hold on to Ingram. Kyle Rudolph has not worked out for them. All right, He's been a below average player via PFF so far this season. They signed him to a two-year, $12 million deal. It hasn't worked out. He's 32 in November, but He's 6'6", 265. He knows the division. He knows how to play in the elements and in the cold. He, you know, the, the deal sounds awful, right? Two-year, 12 million, but he only has 2.5 million in base salary this year, which would be prorated. So it's about half of that. It's about 1.25-ish million that Green Bay would still have to pay and zero in future money. So they could cut him next year with not having to pay him anything, no guarantees whatsoever. So they get him basically for 1.3 million for the remainder of the season. Not a not a terrible contract, not a terrible player. 
you know, the thing about Rudolph is over the course of his career, solid pass receiver, solid run blocker, solid pass blocker. Is he great at any of them? No. But if you're looking at somebody who could maybe be 75% of Robert Tunyon, you know, in theory, Kyle Rudolph's that type of player. And if the question is, as, as a pure tight end, can Kyle Rudolph potentially be an upgrade over DeGuara and Dominique Daphne? And we know Mercedes Lewis isn't going to be that pure tight end, right? He's going to play a lot at tight end, but he's primarily there to block. Kyle Rudolph can add a little bit more as a receiver. And there's always that feeling of, all right, Kyle Rudolph's had Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones for basically the entirety of his career. What happens if he gets with Aaron Rodgers? What if he gets with a team that's competing for a Super Bowl? Like, can he all of a sudden get out of his funk and start playing much better than he has in New York so far this season? And he would really become the de facto number one tight end in Green Bay sooner rather than later. You know, adding another 6'6 guy in the red zone who has, again, experience in the division, knows these teams, knows the elements, all those sort of things not the worst idea in the world. Do I love, you know, the the thought of, you know, is, is it like, again, this big sexy move, Kyle Rudolph to the Packers? Whoa, look at they, they, you know, they won the trade deadline in the Super Bowl. No, it's not. But these deals are working on the fringes. There, can you make your team 1% better or make your depth chart at a specific position just a little bit better? And to me, adding Kyle Rudolph, probably like a seventh round pick, future seventh round pick, adding in a tight end who is, you know, not, you know, theoretically that far off from what Robert Tunyon gave you already this season, probably has more to give you as a member of the Green Bay Packers than he helped the Giants so far this year. I don't hate the idea. So that could be a a name that's in play. Number two on this list is a very similar thing. Lee Smith, tight end for the Falcons. He turns 34 in November, also 6'6", 265. So very similar. Again, solid at everything, right? He's a long-term tight end, good blocker, good pass receiver, not going to be a world beater in any way, shape, or form. But two tight end set, Mercedes Lewis, Lee Smith, both can give you blocking. Lee Smith can get out in some of those rollouts and bootlegs and still give you uh, give you something more than a Mercedes Lewis as a pass catcher. And again, is he an overall upgrade as a, as a you know tight end than uh, Josiah DeGuara or, you know, uh, if you want to look at Daphne as one and so on and so forth? Yeah, I think he is. And again, does he move the chain, you know, or, you know, move the needle, excuse me, all that much? No, he doesn't, but he's a smart play, knows the system, is with Arthur Smith in Atlanta, similar system to Matt LaFleur in Green Bay. They work together, obviously, in Tennessee. That's a deal where, again, fringe roster player, like probably a future seventh round pick at best, and you pick up a player that can help you for the stretch run at a position of need. I don't hate that sort of move. The next three players all along the defensive line. Can you find an upgrade for a Jack Heflin or a Tyler Lancaster? Somebody who can give you 30 plus snaps per game and and be a solid player, like be a true rotational player for this team. The first one would be the biggest, maybe the biggest home run swing on this entire list. That's Foley Fatakasi for the New York Jets defensive lineman. He's done nothing but perform well throughout the course of his career. He's 26 years old, 71.8 PFF grade so far this season. He's playing about 40 plus snaps per game. He's a free agent after this year, probably doesn't garner a huge deal. Maybe he does. And if that's the case, then maybe New York just holds on to him or maybe they have future plans for him. But he's 6'4", 318, solid run defender, gives you more against the pass than you'd expect. He's a really, really good football player. If the Jets were you know, not thinking of re-signing him next year, maybe they would shop him. Maybe they would listen to offers. That would be, you know, Foley Fadukasi is probably somebody that most of you haven't even heard of, but it would be a home run swing for the Green Bay defense. Getting a player like that 
to be able to plug in next to Kenny Clark and the all of a sudden performing well, Dean Lowry as your starting rotation, then bringing in Tyler Lancaster, Kingsley Kiki, TJ Slayton as your next guys up, that just changes you entirely. I, I would love, love, love that type of move. It's quite possible that maybe the Jets wouldn't trade him, but I think you have to at least make that phone call and potentially consider it. Next up, very similar scenario. Tim Settle, defensive lineman for the Washington football team. He is backed up on the depth chart behind Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, uh, Matt Ioannidis, and so on and so forth. He's only, before this week, he only played about 100 total snaps on the season. Again, buried on the depth chart, 6'3", 328. Looks like more of a run stuffer, has actually had more success against the pass than he has against the run. But again, another true nose tackle, which allows you to potentially move around Kenny Clark a little bit more and do some things with him. 72.5 grades so far this season by PF. FF, only 24 years old, free agent after this season, prorated $920,000, you know, basically like a vet minimum type of deal at this point for Tim Settle. You can't be, you know, can't go wrong there. I meant to mention, by the way, for Foley Fadokasi, he's only at 2.183 million this year. His, you know, his deal would be prorated. So about half of that, about 1.6 million, somewhere around there. That's not right. That's not good math at all. Uh, you know, whatever. So 1.1 million is what I meant to say. 1.1 million uh, would be about his remainder of salary this season. So that's what you're looking at for Fadakasi as well as uh, Settle. Again, you know, 460, 475 about for Settle for the remainder of this season. So again, these are cost efficient deals that Green Bay would be able to easily slide within their current salary cap structure. And that it wouldn't cost an arm and a leg to acquire at the deadline. Next one, similar situation to Marcus Walker, defensive lineman for the Texans. He'd be an upgrade for a player like Kingsley Kiki. Again, could potentially play him alongside of, you know, a Dean Lowry and a Kenny Clark. You could play him inside on passing downs. Um, you know, again, could he could be a rotational player on the defensive line in a variety of different ways. Former second round pick out of Florida State. He's 6'3", 328, 72.5 grade for PFF so far. The Texans have no use for him. He's a free agent after this year. Um, so yeah, I mean, again, this is a, a deal that makes a ton of sense. He's only played about 180 snaps so far this season uh, before this past week, and he would only have a, a prorated $1 million deal for the remainder of this season. So again, the, the, the Texans easily would trade him. There's no question there. He's probably not part of their long-term plans. If, if they can get a draft pick for him, they would gladly do that. And he would easily be somebody who would upgrade your current defensive line. So Kyle Rudolph, Lee Smith, potential tight end ads, defensive line, Foley Fadakasi, Tim Settle, and Demarcus Walker. And then the last one might be, or at least seem like maybe a little bit of a pipe dream or maybe a little bit unrealistic, but think this one through. Cordero Patterson, running back, wide receiver, kick returner, Atlanta Falcons, having the best year of his career. Now he is having the best year of his career and he's playing a major role for the Falcons. The Falcons have to realize that they're not going anywhere. Cordero Patterson is 30 years old right? He is on the last year of his deal and he's probably not going to garner anything huge as a running back, as a primary running back in free agency that's going to garner any huge you know, compensatory pick for the Falcons. They could just re-sign him, right? But again, he's past 30. Their, their window's not opening anytime soon. If they could get, you know, fifth round pick for Cordero Patterson, I think they'd have to consider that. So, Again, Patterson's 30 years old, but he's playing literally the best football of his career. He's found a true home in that offense as a running back. But again, he can be a gadget player. He's still one of the greatest kick returners, frankly, in the history of the NFL. He's a free agent to be. He would fill a variety of spots for Green Bay, right? He can be that number three running back behind Jones and Dylan that Kylan Hill was playing. 
He can be a gadget player, probably already an upgrade right now over anything Tyler Irvin, Amari Rogers, Tavon Austin, anyone has given Green Bay in that role the last couple seasons. Now they have a legitimate threat that could take one of those end arounds and literally house it at any given moment. And you just added the best, if not one of the best, if not the best kick returners in all of football. We talk about how big Corey Bajorquez has been as a punter in flipping field position and, and just changing that aspect for Green Bay. Now imagine he can be, you know, they have one of the best kick returners in football as well. That adds value to this team also. If for a late round pick, you can have depth at running back behind Jones and AJ Dillon at a playmaker who's playing the best football of his career at a gadget player can play some wide receiver has depth in a variety, can give you depth in a variety of different areas, be your primary kick returner and one of the best kick returners Green Bay has had. Yeah, there is a ton of value in that sort of player. And he has way more value for Green Bay right now than he does in Atlanta, because again, Atlanta's not doing anything. So, and in Atlanta just put money into, you know, the, the, the rest of the, you know, Mike Davis at running back. So I, you know, I don't know. I, to me, that's a deal that makes sense. And again, maybe it's a, a pipe dream, but again, it's not going to be something that if all of a sudden the Packers trade for Cordell Patterson at the deadline. Everyone's like, well, now Green Bay is like by far and away the Super Bowl favorites, right? But these are realistic deals that improve you on the fringes and can help you overall. And maybe, you know, maybe you call Atlanta and say, hey, we want to trade for Patterson and Lee Smith. And we'll take two guys who can slightly upgrade our roster for, you know, a fifth and a sixth or something like that. You know, something like that could easily make sense for Green Bay. And again, give Atlanta some some value on some players that they're probably not going to get anything on in the free agent market next year from compensatory pick standpoint. So these are realistic deals. The one last thing that I wanted to touch base on is Jordan Love. I would be also beyond shocked if anything happened with Jordan Love. I don't think it's completely within the realm of impossibility, like entirely. There could be a scenario where, you know, maybe Deshaun Watson gets traded to the Dolphins. They said, we don't want to we don't want to trade for Tua, but we really need to acquire a young quarterback because you know maybe we don't like the draft next year. So we're going to take some of these picks and, and offer Green Bay so that we can start with Jordan Love right now. And that's the direction we're going to go in. Maybe something insane like that could happen. Maybe you know Brian Gutekunst and Aaron Rodgers have had conversations and have figured something out for next year. And Green Bay realizes, you know, hey, they're going to do something now so they can bring Rodgers back next year. All of that would shock me. To me right now, Jordan Love is an insurance. The the biggest thing he is right now is an insurance uh, for if if they do have to trade Aaron Rodgers next year. And the salary cap is going to play an issue. Rodgers and how he feels about the team after the season is going to you know still have to play out. So there's a lot at play there. And, and having that insurance in Jordan Love for a variety of different reasons, it has a ton of value and probably way more valuable to Green Bay right now than to any other team because they just haven't seen him the way that Green Bay has seen him. I would be shocked, 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 shocked if Jordan Love moved in any capacity during the trade deadline. I have seen those you know, rumblings out there, so figured I would get that out there and address it right now. That is going to do it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. Always appreciate it. Just to recap, some realistic uh, trade possibilities, Kyle Rudolph, Lee Smith, Foley Fadukasi, Tim Settle, Demarcus Walker, and Cordero Patterson. Thanks for joining me. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all-new episode. But until then, and as always, go Pack Go.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.